Welcome to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast, the place for first-gen students of color to prepare for grad school. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Fu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into and successfully navigate grad school. For over 10 years, I've been helping first-gen students of color get into top grad programs in their field, and I'm really excited to support you on your academic journey too. Before starting today's episode, I have another quick announcement. Today's announcement is to remind you to fill out my Grad School Femme Touring podcast listener survey. I'm going to have it up through the end of October. So on November 1st, I will no longer have it available. I appreciate all the feedback that I've been receiving. It helps me to prepare for the next calendar year of recordings for the future guests that I get to invite on the show and the future topics that I'm going to have. So thank you so much for your time. And for those of you that filled it out, I really appreciate it. And then the other um, reminder is to encourage you to sign up for my grad school fem touring newsletter where I share insights all about grad school, sustainable productivity, and personal development. This week, I shared um, a newsletter all about the topic of how I lost my creativity in grad school and how I'm regaining it now. And then I share strategies on how you can incorporate a little bit more creativity in your own academic work. Um, so yeah, I hope that for those of y'all that are part of my newsletter, that you're enjoying my recent writings, um, my recent kind of musings. And then the, the last thing that I wanted to mention is that this week we have a replay episode. It's all about time management and how to regain motivation in an era of online work. This was originally aired in May 2020, but it's actually a very popular episode. It has a lot more plays than the usual episode. And I think that's because this transition to online work has not changed. Some of us have hybrid courses. Some of us have online courses. Some of us still have um, work in an online capacity to this day, you know, two plus years into the pandemic, we are still dealing with this. And also, Burnout is still a big thing for a lot of us. A lot of us are overworked. A lot of us are struggling to maintain focus and motivation. And so I thought I'd remind you of some strategies to manage all of that because the information I shared then is still applicable now. The other reason why I am doing a replay is because I just need a little bit of a podcasting break. I have been feeling under the weather, my family, I feel like it feels like we've been sick every other week ever since my daughter started daycare in September. And so I just needed a little bit of a break. It's it's a bit of a busy season for us. We've had family over. We have family over now too. Um, it's, it's been, it's been busy. So I, I get it. I know that a lot of us are in this busy season and we're needing to find ways to do less or to, you know, give ourselves a little bit of grace every now and then. And so this is an example of me doing that with the podcast. I am still committed to providing a weekly episode, 
even if it's a replay episode that you probably have not checked out. And then, you know, every now and then I'll have a replay, but for the most part, you'll have new topics, solo episode and guest episodes. And if you have any ideas, if there's ever any topic that you are waiting to hear about, don't hesitate to reach out. That's it for today. I hope you all enjoy the replay and I will talk to you all next time. Hi everyone. Today's episode is on time management and staying focused in an era of online work. Why am I talking about this? Because over the last eight or nine weeks that I've been working with my students in the quarter system, a key issue that keeps coming up for all of them over and over again is the issue of a lack of focus a lack of motivation, and struggling with their time management now that uh, the pandemic hit and they've had to transition to online schooling, online work. Uh, and so I wanted to talk about um, about this issue and offer some tips. I've got 14 tips that I've pulled uh, in terms of things that are useful to me or has been useful to my students thus far. And I think it will be useful for you, even if you're in the semester system and the academic year is over, you may have summer session classes, um, you may continue to be doing online work in the fall, and um, I think this is just still very, very relevant, and it's going to be relevant for a while of how to remain focused, how to remain motivated, and um, stay on top of our time management when we're doing everything online and from home and, you know, that external accountability of seeing people and having to go out to specific places to do our work is no longer there. And so, so what's going on? So the issue is now that we're working remotely, there's this conflation between what was once um, our, you know, home space, our space of comfort, our space, our sanctuary, our safe space, all of a sudden that has become our workspace. Some folks, some of us, we don't have offices. We don't, we may not even have a desk to work on. I know that's my reality. Um, a lot of folks, you know, are in shared spaces, so they share rooms. And so it's really hard to distinguish between when you're working and when you're lounging, when you're working and when you're resting. And it just, it makes it really hard on students. Additionally, a lot of classes are asynchronous, which means that you're not going to a live class um, with other students. You're listening to pre-recorded lectures which decreases that accountability when you know that like no one's holding you accountable, no one's taking attendance. Uh, are you really going to want to go and listen to that lecture if you can do something else? You can watch Netflix, go take a walk, have a long lunch, or do anything but listen to that lecture. Um, so that's what's going on right now. It's It's really hard to focus when this is all so new and when you're not in an ideal work setting. So what can you do? There are a few things that you can do. I think I want to talk about first, like just 
getting back to the basics when it comes to time management and productivity, you want to make sure you're using a calendar or a planner. You know, some folks, believe it or not, don't. And just, they, I, I actually know a, a couple of students who everything is in their head. They don't write down when they have classes. They don't write down when they have things due somehow. I don't know how they do it, but they say that everything's in their head and they remember and they know when things are due and they get it done. Um, I, I don't advocate for that. Even if you have a really excellent memory, I just don't think it's wise to try to keep everything in your head. I do recommend using a calendar. And then some folks use calendars, but they don't use them to the best, like in the most efficient way. They may just use a calendar to include their class times and their mandatory meetings. And that's it. I recommend, and this is where the type A side of me comes out. I recommend writing out what you need to do every hour and what you plan to do every hour during your work time. So I also recommend setting work hours. So when are you on and off? When are you actually working and when are you resting? And so you want to include the classes, you want to include your meetings, you want to include your deadlines, but also you want to include the time that you're studying, the time that you're doing homework, the time um, that you generally need to get work done. And it can include personal things too. Um, if you need to work on, I don't know, medical paperwork, or you need to, what, what could come up? Pay bills. You need to, uh, you know, take a break and go take a walk. You want to include work time, study time, break time, time to eat. Um, so as much as you can plan out your day, do that. And then, um, so that's the thing. So even some of my students who are really good with time management pre-pandemic are struggling with their time management now. And why? What's going on? The thing is that their old ways are not working. So now they're doing everything I'm telling them to do. They're using the calendar. They're using their planner. They're filling it out every hour. And then at the end of the day or at the end of the week, they go back to their planner and realize they did nothing in the way that they said that they would do it. Like everything was thrown off. They didn't even rely on their calendar. They just kind of winged it and did things at the last minute because of the pressure of deadlines or they missed deadlines and asked for extensions or missed deadlines, didn't notify their professors and are now worried about their grades. That's what's going on. So the answer is not, oh, just go back to using a calendar or a planner. Easy as that. No, I know that's not that's that's not the one thing that's going to help you out. I think there's an extra step that I recommend that you take that maybe you have never tried out before that I actually do regularly. And it's something that I call reverse planning. I don't know if this is an actual term that exists out there. Um uh it's or maybe it's a term that I coined, who knows, but reverse planning is the process of Let's say on a Sunday night or on a Monday morning, you are scheduling out everything every hour for that week. And then at the end of the week, you go back and you look at your calendar, your planner, and you say, oh my goodness, I hardly did anything the way that I did, I, the way that I said that I would do it. Um, I actually recommend going at the end of the day, at the end of your work day, whatever time you clock out, let's say it's 5 p.m. or 8 p.m. or whatever, um, 
before you finish your day, go back to your calendar. It could be a Google calendar, online calendar, planner. I recommend using a pencil or erasable pen because you're going to be making changes. Reverse planning is at the end of the day, looking at it and making changes and actually writing out what you did do and how you did use up your time. So that means, um, okay, you said you're going to have a meeting 10 to 11 and you did have that meeting 10 to 11, but then 11 to noon, you said you were going to start working on homework for um, your history class and 11 to noon, you were so drained from that meeting that you ended up having an early lunch and then your early lunch turned into an extended lunch and all of a sudden you missed that time to do your homework. So then you write out lunch instead of lunch for half an hour or one hour. Lunch was two hours. Um, and maybe after in the afternoon you were supposed to do something else and you did it and instead you worked on something different and it took you longer than you thought. Okay, write out that other thing that you did and how long it took you. And, um, and maybe in the evening you told yourself, oh, I'm gonna, I need to do X, Y, and Z. But you were so exhausted, so unmotivated, or just feeling down, just struggling with a lack of focus that you didn't do any of it. What did you do instead? Were you on Netflix? Were you um, just kind of hanging out? Were you checking in with a friend? Whatever it is that you did, write it down um, in the hour slots that it took. And it may seem like a lot of work at first, but after a while, it's going to get really easy to just quickly kind of change, you know, your update your calendar to, to include what you actually did do. And why even do this? So one thing is it forces you to own up to what you're actually doing. And that is hard to do. It sometimes induces feelings of shame because you, you feel guilty for not doing everything you said you were going to do you feel guilty for taking a longer break. You feel guilty for um, feeling unmotivated and doing less than usual. But keep in mind, I mean, doing less than usual is completely normal given our circumstances. We cannot compare ourselves to our pre-pandemic productive ways. And so what I want you to do is I want to help you develop a routine and develop a plan so that you do just enough to get by, just enough so that you continue to do well. Um, but it, it's still not going to be to the same level or same extent that you were doing before. So I want you to like survive this these times to manage, but I don't think you should be trying to do your best right now. It's because that's really hard. So reverse planning will help you identify habits. It can help you identify what works and what doesn't work. So for instance, maybe you realize based on your habits, based on reverse planning, I mean, at the end of the week, you've reverse planned every day of that week and you realize, wow, like I noticed that I, you know, I used to think that I was a morning person, but now I'm struggling to get up in the mornings and the best time for me to work is after 11. So from like 11 to 6, those are my best hours. So then in the future, now you know when you're doing your planning, those are your work hours. Um, or, oh, the day that I had a really good day was the day that I made sure that I took breaks. I took like two half hour breaks or that was the day that I used timers. And, um, and then you realize, okay, timers worked. So let me do that again. Or maybe 
you realize, wow, Mondays I really struggle with getting work done. I think I'm just struggling to get back into the routine after having a weekend of not really doing much. Um, So then Mondays, maybe I should plan to do less on Mondays and try to do more on Tuesdays because Tuesdays I tend to do better on Tuesdays. Or maybe you'll notice, oh, wow, I noticed that Wednesday instead of working on my bed, I worked on the kitchen table and or Wednesday I made my bed and set up my bed as a as a desk and you know making my bed setting up my bed for a workspace not actually lying down on my bed but bringing a chair next to my bed that really helped me feel like I was in the in the mood or in the mode of working I also took a shower and got ready that day and that really helped me get in the zone of working so I should probably do that again so basically like you'll identify the things that work and don't work and so then you you replicate the setting that works whether it's the hour or the time of day or the space or whatever it was. Was it a day that you had a study group? So whatever works for you, try to replicate that. So that's reverse planning. And that's tip number two of 14. (laughs) All right, the next thing is maybe you're using a calendar and you're reverse planning And you still feel so overwhelmed, like there's not enough hours in the day to get everything that you need to get done. What do you do when you feel overwhelmed? I'll tell you what I do. When I feel overwhelmed, I make a list of everything that I think that I have to do that's on my mind that's stressing me out. And then after I make that list, I prioritize that list based on the things that I know have to get done sooner or more urgent tasks and the things that can wait And so based on what's more urgent, those are the things that I'll try to get done, you know, within the next day or two. And the things that can wait, I'll put them for later in the week. Because then if I fall behind or anything, I know I have more time to get to it. So making a list and prioritizing is always very helpful. Some folks use post-its, that... (laughs) makes me very anxious because I feel like you could lose them so easily and um, other folks use apps you know project management sites I use a website um, a to-do list website called Kanban Flow K-A-N-B-A-N-F-L-O-W some folks use Trello T-R-E-L-L-O there are a number of websites apps that you can try out that are free to um, add things to your to-do list and then from your to-do list you could also sync it with your calendar if you really wanted to go all go all out um but it doesn't matter it could really be pen and paper write down a list prioritize it and then based on a list update your calendar so that's number three so next is i recommend setting minimum and maximum goals I learned about minimum and maximum goals. I don't even know how, but I know it was during my dissertation writing process. I was doing a lot of solitary, isolated work, working on my dissertation by myself at home. And I noticed that everything just felt so, what's the word? Not mundane, but it just... It was like all my days just seemed to blur and they all seemed the same. Every day I still had to write the dissertation 
And um, it was really easy for me to feel unmotivated. So I thought to myself, setting minimum and maximum goals per day for daily work helped me out. The minimum goal was, what's the absolute minimum goal that I, of like working, that I could get away with today if I'm having a really rough day, if I'm feeling depressed, if I'm feeling down, if I'm feeling sick, if it's just, damn, really struggling. What's the minimum thing that I can do and still feel like proud of myself and accomplished and like at least I did something? And then a maximum goal is like, what's the most that I think I could accomplish in a day if I'm having a great day? I'm in a good mood. I've got good energy. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling like in the mood and productive and, you know, like just in the zone. What's the most that I could realistically get done in a day? And so I'd write down my minimum and my maximum. And my minimum some days was literally just set a timer for five minutes open up my dissertation word doc and write out a couple of sentences of um, the next paragraph that I was working on. Five minutes and that was it. And if I did five minutes, I did something because the hardest part for me in many cases was getting started, opening up that um, opening up that word doc or, you know, for my students, it could be opening up like Blackboard or, you know, the website we use is called Gaucho Space or opening up their email inbox and just facing the thing that they're dreading to get done, that they're, they're, they just don't, it just feels like this huge looming dreadful thing. And sometimes just facing it, even if it's for five minutes, will help you get started. So that, that's why I set the minimum. And a lot of times, once I got through the minimum, I could do a little bit more. And some days, really, I set a minimum and I couldn't do more than that. And so because it was my minimum goal, I was like, you know what? I did it. I know it's not a lot. Um, I know it's not much, but it's better than doing nothing. So I recommend setting minimum and setting maximum goals. All right. Number five. See if it's possible for you to set up an online study group, a writing group, an accountability group, some sort of peer support system. Why? Um, Because um, I think that it helps to be in community with others, to have a, a space where you can share your progress with other people who are in a similar situation as you who are also struggling. You can use that space as a space to set goals, a space to check in and vent with each other, but then set goals for the next week. And you can even use it as a space to study with them. So if it's a two hour meeting, maybe the first half hour, y'all check in. And then the, the next hour you all work and the last half hour you check out. <clears throat> I know I have an accountability group for some projects that I'm working on. And and during that accountability group, we we do that. We check in at the beginning, see how we're doing, how we did with regard to our goals from the last week. And then we set a timer, a Pomodoro timer, which means we work for 25 minutes and then we take five minutes um off as a break to see how we're doing and you know we could work again for another 25 minutes if we have the time if not then we check out by you know let letting each other know what our goals are for the following week so I highly recommend some sort of peer support system peer group accountability group study group writing group whatever it is that you need um, 
and trying to trying once you set it up prioritizing it because it's really easy if it's just a study group to you know cancel on them because you're like well it's not actually like a class where I'm getting credit for it so I don't really have to do it I don't really feel like it today it's really easy to let it go and not take it seriously so if you do join one or if you do set one up try to take it seriously okay and then maybe you're not into study groups maybe you don't have anybody that you feel comfortable reaching out to how else do you hold yourself accountable Another thing you could try out, number six, is setting up some sort of reward system. Um, a reward system could be something as basic as getting yourself stickers and giving yourself a sticker for every task that you accomplish that day. Or it could mean, okay, um, taking extra breaks. The more you get done, the more breaks you get. Or maybe your reward system is if, you know, I get through this certain number of assignments, I get to watch this movie I really want to watch, or I get to take, instead of taking a walk in my neighborhood, I'm going to drive myself to, I don't know, the beach or this really beautiful park or whatever it is that's close to you and take a longer walk and, you know, really enjoy my scenery. Whatever it is that you can do as a reward system, I don't recommend a reward system that involves spending a lot of money because I don't think now's the time for people to spend money. Well, first of all, a lot of us... Um, a lot of my students are low-income students. A lot of us are struggling with our finances because of the pandemic. But even if you're not struggling financially, now is not the time to spend money. So try to avoid financial rewards if you can. Every once in a while, getting yourself a coffee or a pastry or even um, a bigger reward, like you know, treating yourself to something on your birthday. Like Those things make sense. That's okay. But in terms of like regularly, every day I'm going to treat myself to something where it involves spending money, uh-uh, I don't recommend it. So develop some sort of reward system that's not going <laughs> to that's not gonna break your bank, um, but that's going to keep you motivated. All right. Well, actually, and I should say my reward system is getting to go out and take walks. Um, I think that's my main thing in terms of my own reward system. And then every once in a while, every couple of months, I may like treat myself to something, maybe some earrings or a shirt, but I don't do it often. It's it's just, you know, after I hit some major milestones, like maybe at the end of a quarter or maybe once a year or twice a year, I'll, I'll get myself something and try not to feel guilty about it. Okay, reward systems. Next is developing a routine. And I think I've been talking about this all along, but I, I want to make sure I emphasize that right now, the reason why so many students are struggling is because their routine has been completely thrown off. If your routine before was going to campus, um, at the, going to your classes, after that, hanging out with your friends and then going to like student org meetings. And all of a sudden, all of that is stripped away from you and all you can do is stay home or maybe go outside um, to run errands and or go outside on some sort of nature walk. Uh, it's, that, that routine is so different from what you had before. 
And so I think it's critical to figure out what your new normal is, what your new routine is, what your time to start work is, what your time to end work is. Um, what are you doing regularly for self-care? What are you doing to to um, take care of your physical health, take care of your mental health? Um, so what are those things that are going to help you feel like you have a routine? You know, for some people, it means getting up, showering or getting ready, uh, changing out of your PJs. You don't want to be in your PJs all day because then how are you supposed... I mean, it's it's. I can imagine it's harder to get into work mode. At least it is for me if I stay in my PJs all day. Um, you know, identify a workspace that's different from your lounge space. So, so maybe a place that's different from your couch or your bed. So the more that you can distinguish between when your work time and workspace is and your time of like lounging rest comfort is, um, the better off you'll be. Because otherwise, you're just going to feel like you have to work all the time. You're always going to be in like work, 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 study, study, study mode. And anytime you take off, you're going to feel guilty. And that's the one thing I'm trying to decrease in my students because I dealt with that for so long and still to some extent deal with it, but I'm much better off now. It's just that feeling of guilt of like always feeling in the back of your head if you're taking a break, if you're watching a show, if you're talking to a friend of like, I should be getting work done. I should be writing. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. That should, should, should is a really, (laughs) it's a negative loop that never ends. And so you got to break that cycle by developing a very clear cut routine. Like when you start, when you stop, no matter what. Even if you don't get everything that you need to get done, you stop at a certain hour and you're allowed to take a break. You're allowed to not look at your emails after that. You're allowed to enjoy yourself. Um, You don't have to be, you know, always working and always productive to to matter, you know. So develop a routine to minimize the guilt, to increase, you know, the the your ability to harmonize between your work and your personal life and to make sure you take care of yourself. Um, And in line with this um, conversation about taking care of yourself is my tip number eight, which is prioritize sleep. Oh my goodness. The other thing I found that's really common among my students, and maybe it's just my students, but I have a feeling it's happening across the board, is that a lot of folks are going to bed so late. They're going to bed at two, three, four in the morning, and then waking up at, I don't know, noon, one, two p.m. And um, and some that's not necessarily a bad thing. If you're a night owl, go ahead and keep that routine. So long as it is a routine, because some folks are just like playing it by ear. Some days they go to bed at midnight, some days at 4 a.m., and then the next day they wake up and they don't really know when to start working. They're kind of just waiting it out. That I don't recommend. Um, but if you figure out a routine, you're like, okay, every day I'm you know, I'm a night owl. I'm going to go to bed at 2 a.m. I'm going to wake up at 10 a.m. I'm going to start working and start doing work at 11 um, or whatever it is, whatever time you want to start. That's okay so long as there's a routine. But the thing is, if you don't have a routine, it's really easy to lose sleep. It's really easy to wait till the last minute, uh, procrastinate, wait until that rush of the um, fear of like missing a deadline, having that kick in. Uh, Because a lot of folks say, oh, I work really good under pressure. 
Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's actually true. I think you get your work done under pressure. That doesn't mean you are doing your best work under pressure. So, um, and then a lot of folks are still doing all nighters and eventually that's going to come back and kick you in the butt. It's going to come back and haunt you. Um, you're not going to be in your twenties forever. Not all my students are in their twenties. I have non-trat students too. Uh, and parenting students. But generally speaking, my students who are in their early 20s don't take care of themselves, don't prioritize sleep. And not only does that hurt you and your physical health, but it also affects your ability to remain productive, um, kind of like in a stable way, because your sleep directly affects your health, directly affects your focus, directly affects um just your ability to work efficiently the next day. I know that when I don't sleep very well the next day, I'm so tired that I'm just, I'm not at my best. So prioritize sleep as much as you can. Try to get whatever a number of hours works for you. For some folks, it's six. And for some folks, it's eight or nine hours. Figure out what that number is for you and try to get that um, that in no matter what. Okay. Next tip is to alert others of your work hours so that they don't distract you. This one goes out to all of the folks out there who are working from home and have gone back and moved in with their parents. So maybe you're no longer in the dorms and you're with your parents and maybe you're sharing a room. And I understand that feeling of (laughs) sometimes your parents don't understand the concept of you having to get work done and they put a lot of responsibilities on you. And so I recommend telling them what your work hours are so that they don't distract you during those work hours. And um, I mean, that doesn't have to just be your parents. It could be your siblings. It could be your partner. It could be your kids, like whatever your family setting scenario is. Uh, But definitely just letting people know okay, mom, I'm going to be working from, you know, 11 to 7. I'm not going to be able to really do lunch with you most days because I really have to focus. So if you can just, there's anything that you need, if we can just talk about it during dinner, you know, or whatever it is that works for you. Um, Or it could be telling (laughs) your partner or your child like, hey, I mean, I know my, in my family, um, it's my husband and my son, I tell them like, hey, I've got meetings from this time to this time. Please don't interrupt me during those hours. I'll come back and check in with you all when I'm done with my last meeting. And it's worked out fairly well up to this point. So definitely communicate with everybody else who's in your kind of vicinity and your like area workspace. So that way um, you minimize the number of distractions that you have. Okay. Number 10 is reaching out for help. So I I haven't really talked about how some of my students are not only struggling with their focus and their motivation, but they're actually struggling with their mental health too. So if you are already susceptible to dealing with depression or anxiety, having to stay home, um, having your circumstances change, perhaps a family member got sick, perhaps family members are losing jobs. Those are very real, very scary very triggering incidents and so it could really affect your mental health which is why I have this you know the next thing is 
reaching out for help from your professors, friends, family, any resources that are available to you. If you're really struggling, I strongly encourage you, especially if you're a student, you have access to student health care and insurance, you know, reach out to your professors, let them know that you're struggling, see if there there's any way that they can provide accommodations or extensions on things if you know that you're not going to be able to get things done on time. Reaching out to resources, whether it's um, securing a therapist or um, going to see, uh, I don't know, a, a doctor, a psychiatrist, whatever it is that you need to make sure that you're feeling better. Please don't hesitate to reach out for help. Um, a lot of us are out there and we want to help you out. We want to make sure you're okay. We can't do that unless you tell us. So I know it's hard. I was that student who struggled to reach out for help. I was always really ashamed, very shy, um, and just didn't feel comfortable telling others about my personal issues. I thought that they would judge me for it. Uh, but I wish that somebody had kind of reached out to me and told me it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to, to, um, take advantage of the resources that are available to you. Okay. We're getting closer to the end. So I'm getting to number 11 out of 14. Number 11 is focus on what you can control. Focus on what you can do now. Uh, and focus on what you do know. So this is where, again, um, a lot of us are struggling because there's this loss of control. Like, we don't know how long this pandemic is going to last. We don't know how long we're going to be doing online work. Um, we don't know when we're going to get back to normal or if there will ever be a normal, if it's just going to be a new normal now. And that is really hard to accept. So what should you do? You should focus on what you can control and what you do know. So for instance, even I get really anxious about the fact that I don't know what's going to happen in the fall. Our university hasn't been very clear about whether or not we're going to be doing online instruction, uh, if we're all going to have to return back to campus and everything's going to go back to how it was before, but with social distancing practices in place. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. My, my students ask me, um, when they ask me, I, I'm very honest with them. And I say, honest, I just, I, we don't know. And we're working with a number of different scenarios and options, but we don't know. What we do know is, and that's where, again, focus on what you do know, we do know that we're going to be online through the end of summer sessions, which for me gets us through mid-August. So I know that I can do my planning. I know what to expect. I know what to do from here on until mid-August. And I just have to wait until we get to that point and then find out about fall and accept that. So focus on what you can control, what you do know, and then make your plans accordingly. All right, number 12. And again, this is going back to struggling with your mental health or struggling, feeling more down than usual, feeling more unmotivated than usual. What if you just want to vent? You just want to dwell? You just want to be in your feelings about something? What do you do? Do you push through and try to get your work done like you said you would in your calendar? 
Or is your day completely over and you just give up and you decide to just take a day off because you need a mental health day? Um, I mean, either one would be perfectly fine, but I actually recommend neither. I recommend that you do vent, that you do dwell, that you do be in your feelings and allow yourself that space, but to set a timer or a limit on it. So maybe if, you know, like, you know what, I am having a breakdown right now. I'm really upset over whatever's going on. And I know I'm not going to be able to get the work done. I said I would get done this hour, but I'm just going to give myself an hour. I'm going to cry. I'm going to let it out all out. I'm going to journal. I'm going to call a friend, whatever it is that works. And when that hour is up or when that hour and a half or two hours, however long you need, when that time is up, I'm, I'm just going to have to move on and go on to the next thing. So I, I do recommend, if you can, trying to set a timer or a limit on it. So that way, um, that way you, you know, it's just, it's really easy to dwell and, and then let that take over and then let, let it take over for a while, especially for those of us that have suffered from depression, um, it's really triggering like to have a bad day it's really easy to then have another bad day and then another and then out of nowhere you realize how did I get this far and let it get this bad without getting help so if you notice that you're struggling you're struggling to set a timer or a limit on it go back to my tip number um, 10 and reach out for help okay number 13 is Give yourself something to look forward to each day and or start a gratitude practice. So I know it's really hard to find joy nowadays when so much is going on in the world. And some of us feel guilty feeling joy, feel guilty like having a good time while we're at home Um, and I don't think you should feel guilty. I think you should try to find things that make you happy, even in your struggles, even in, you know, um, whatever difficult circumstances you have, you can always find something to look forward to, whether it's one-on-one time with your child, with your sibling, with your friends. Um, It could be social distance time. It could be one-on-one time over Zoom or, or Skype or whatever. Um, what is it that you're going to look forward to every single day? And in terms of the gratitude practice, this is completely optional, obviously, but I actually, I don't do it as much now. My gratitude practice is more just finding a time each day and remind myself of at least three things that I'm grateful for. That's what I do now. But what I did in grad school was I had a gratitude Google Doc that I shared with a friend And then every day, the two of us would go into the Google Doc and write out three things that we were grateful for each day. So I'd write out my three things, I'd write the date and the three things that I was grateful for, and then she'd write it out. And then the next day, I'd get to see what her three things were for the day before. And it was really nice. It was interesting to see the things that she was grateful for and made me realize, oh, I should be grateful for that too. Um... And, you know, over time, doing that every single day, it actually shifted my perspective. I tend to be a very pessimistic person. I used to call myself a realist. I'm like, I'm just a realist. Um, But I tend to, like, see things 
you know, in the worst case scenario or catastrophize things. And I think that has to do with childhood trauma. I understand that. Um, but now because of my gratitude practice, instead of thinking of all the things I don't have, instead of dwelling on um, anything that happens to be difficult in my life now, I'm just, mm, I'm, I found a way to find joy and to appreciate the things that I do have. And I feel like I have, um, there's more abundance in my life because I'm more conscious of what I do have. So, you know, if it's a roof on top of my head, head or if it's my health or being alive, like whatever it is that just reminds you like, oh my gosh, I should be grateful for for whatever it is that I have right now. At least at least I'm in school and I've got something to do every day. At least I'm getting a paycheck or at least my family is okay and you know everybody's healthy or at least you know whatever it is that you have going on that you can be grateful for you can always find something to be grateful for so that's number 13 find things to look forward to or or find things to be grateful for all right the last tip is reminding you that it's okay to lower your bar to be compassionate with yourself and to do what is enough right now is not the time to try to be your best self right now is not the time to thrive right now is not the time to do everything in the perfect way right now is the time to take care of yourself to do whatever is enough to get by whatever is enough to get you to achieve your goals but no more than that it's okay to lower your bar it's okay to do less um but just figure out what is it that I can do that's enough and then be okay with that. Um, And I know not every day is going to be easy. Some days are going to be harder than others. But I hope that some of these tips are useful to you. I hope you can implement them. Let me know if you tried something and, and if it worked out for you or not. And I'd also, if you have any additional tips or things that are working for you, I'd love to hear them. I'll happily share them either in my next episode or over Instagram on on social media. So um, I actually really like hearing from my listeners. So if you have anything, shoot me an email, send me a DM on Instagram, and I'm always happy to hear from you. Have a good rest of the week, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Femtoring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, here are three ways you can support the show. The first is to make sure you're subscribed and leave a review of the podcast. If you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, you become eligible for a free half-hour coaching session with me. Yes, that's right, one free session. Once you leave a review, you can email me a screenshot and I'll send you a link to sign up. The second way to show your love is to get yourself a copy of my free 15-page grad school femtoring kit, which includes resources on research, organization, grad school, and career prep. Go to gradschoolfemtoring.com slash kit to get it today. The third and last way to support my show is to follow me on social media. I am on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and occasionally TikTok with the handle at Grad School Femtoring. Thanks again and until next time. <laughs>